great. Finishing up the fourth week, which was uh, chapter 7 and 8, and then we'll be moving on to the fifth week. You know, like I said last week, the, uh, the, uh, I thought it would be much quicker. It was a, it was a very short two chapters, but uh, there was a lot in them. And that's the deal with First and Second Corinthians. It is so full of meat. I mean, it's just, there's so much stuff that he packs into that. There was so much going on in Corinth. There's so much going on in the church, the, the early church, that he was dealing with so many different issues. We're only eight, or, you know, now really we're only, yeah, we're only eight chapters into the book. And it is, he's, he's just, there's just so much that he's dealing with. And then we get into the next two chapters is, is even better. So um, just kind of a recap of last week. We talked about married life, talked about uh, divorce. We talked about um, all those sort of things having to do with um, God's will in that. Um, concerning, we ended up with uh, concerning status changes, talking about if you're, uh, if you, uh, are a certain way, and I mean, basically, what he was talking about was the was the circumcision uh, question, which was a huge thing back then, because Christianity was looked at as a Jewish um, as a Jewish offshoot. It wasn't; it is a Jewish offshoot, but it was looked at as a Jewish religion, a, an offshoot of the Jewish religion. So there was all of these. Um, uh, questions, all of these concerns, uh, both from the Jews and also from Gentiles, is how do we live within this? Are we supposed to continue to follow the Mosaic law? Are we supposed to continue to, are, are people who are coming in, especially Gentiles, obviously this is the church in Corinth, how are the Gentiles supposed to act? How are they supposed to, to, to do this? And uh, um, Paul deals with that. He says, whatever you were when you came in, stay that. Act that way. Live that way. And so um, it, is, uh, it has more to do with, and like he says, Jesus Christ and him crucified rather than a bunch of rules and regulations. You, you, know, you, you boil it down to rules and regulations, you lose the grace. You, and, and that's even, you know, as we talked about with the marriage and the, the divorce issue, if you know, we're, it, it is so easy to try to fall into. Um, am I okay? Am I not okay? That's the big question with rules and regulations. Am I in? Am I out? Am I am I saved? Am I not saved? Well, bottom line, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is the litmus test, and uh, and following that will keep you in the middle of where you're going. All right. Somebody said we finished up. We're about in the area of 36. So let's back up to 32. Chapter 7, verse 32. And then uh, it says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned with the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now remember, this is all in the context of how they were thinking back then. They were thinking that Jesus was coming back any moment. And we know that because of the verses leading up to that. <clears throat> 
they assumed in first century church that Jesus left and he was coming right back. They did not know that it was going to be a few thousand years, which would have completely, it would have thrown their theology. They were not expecting that. That did not make sense to them. Why would, why would God wait for 2,000 plus years? Well, because of us, yes. Be, because the fullness of the Gentiles has not yet come in. And that is the, that's the verse, and I, I'm, now I just, that, that just came out. I don't know where that's at. It's, uh, Galatians maybe, or, you know, I'm not really sure. Thessalonians maybe, somebody, somebody can find that. Um, I bet it's Thessalonians, because that's where it's talking about. Because there was even debate when he wrote the, the book of Thessalonians, the two books of Thessalonians, the, one of the, the main reasons he wrote those books is because people were going around saying, Jesus has already come back. We just missed him. And he's like, whoa, 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 you guys. You have to you realize he's not, we will all know when he comes back. You know, that's, you know, Paul says there will be no, no uh, uh, mistake. There will be no missing him. We'll see it. We'll know it. Um, and, it and the reason he's not coming back, I believe he even says that, you know, he, he's not slow in the way we understand slowness. He's, he's waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. And so, you know, but at this point, they think any moment here. And so they're living day to day. That's why the Jews in Jerusalem lived the way they did. They sold everything and just made for their daily needs because they thought, we don't need this. We're, we're going to be here around forever. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, we're not going to be here forever. We don't need this. And so they sold their goods, they sold their land, they sold all these things, which was a beautiful sign of, of community, but it also didn't make provision for future and then we see in Acts where, uh, and in other places where they had to receive offerings to take back to them and, and help them get through the, the, this hard time because they didn't have any provisions. They'd... Right, yeah, yeah, because it was all about social needs. Well, it, it, it is a social gospel. The gospel is social. Is that because we're supposed to love one another? But, well, and, and you, now, see, now you get me on my soapbox because the difference between social, the social, the gospel is social, but it's my choice. It's my choice to love somebody else and take care of their needs rather than to be dictated by somebody else that I have to do it. You know, even from the church, you know, if the church comes and says, you have to give away your extra needs, you know, or your, your extra supply to meet somebody else's who's in need. Extra, yeah, define extra. It's extra if you have it and I don't. You know, that's that's the definition. But it's you know that you know then it becomes a socialized gospel rather than the it is a, it is a social gospel. We are to take care of our brother and sister. You know, I mean, and you like I say, you'll get me on my soapbox because the the church abdicated that authority, that that expectation, that responsibility to the government. You know, a couple hundred years ago, we should have never allowed that to become the, the church was. You know, the church was the one who built the hospitals. The church was the one who built the uh, social institutions, the orphanages, the you know, taking care of the poor, the all of those things. But when when the church started not doing that and allowing the government to start doing, you know, to taking taking on that that responsibility, then they, you know, we lost our rights in that way. So that's my soapbox. It's one of my soapboxes. Read that baby for me. The 
That's one of them. There's, a, there's another one, too, that says, is talking about the slowness of his return having to, you know, having to do with the fullness of the Gentiles coming in. I, and I, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which one are you reading? New America. So what, so what, what, what is the, uh, the reference again? Second Timothy four. Nope, that's still not the one. I'm thinking. Yep. That's not that one either. Then, yeah. So it's so it's a in my mind it's a conglomeration of a few of a few verses there. That would be the Neitzel translation. Yes, exactly. The Neitzel paraphrase. That's a it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Exactly. Okay. So um, I got off on a sidetrack there. Remember that's with the the with all of these things that he's talking about. There's there's a couple of themes that. Ru- No problem. No problem. I understand. You can. It's okay. All right. Now, now I'm completely lost because you, you know, because you didn't want to bother me. Now I'm just. Where am I? Turn to Hebrews four. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Just messing. Um. There is a couple of themes that run all the way through Corinthians. One is um, law, the, or the law of love. You know, we talked a little bit about it last week. We'll talk about it a lot here coming up in just a few moments. But it's the law of love. Obviously, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, is the love chapter. You know, talking about love is. The reason he's talking about what love is, is that really love is what governs us in making the decisions that we do, you know, acting the way we do. That whenever we have a question of how to act, it is the law of love is, the deci- is how we should make that decision. And I was thinking, did I talk about uh, Kenneth Hagin's um, the story about Kenneth Hagin about going and, and speaking at a certain church when, when he was asked, was that this class or was it a, a, an earlier class? It was this one. Because that, that was a, that's a really good description of what the law of love is. The law of love is, am I, if I'm going to make a decision that's going to gonna affect you, am I acting in love towards you? Or am I acting in selfishness or in self-interest? Or if I'm, if I'm acting in, uh, you know, you know, uh, being proud or, or whatever, you know, it, in doing that. And we'll see that. It really goes back to, let's take any one of these situations. Marriage. Marriage and divorce. You know, Jesus hates divorce. Why does he hate divorce? Because if I decide to divorce my wife, that, defor- that divorce does not just affect me. It's affecting her. And choosing to act that way is not acting in love towards her. Um, say, you know, t- what, what are some of the other ones? The, the, other dis- the problems that they're dealing with in the church. Who's, who's the best leader? You know, I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I follow Apollos. You know, that isn't love. That's picking one person. You know, I mean, there may be a better minister. There may be a better, you know, there are people, I'm sure, in the church who like Pastor Greg more than they like me. But that, that, that isn't a problem. I mean, it's just a personal preference. But to say, well, I'm not going to follow Pastor John. I'm going to follow Greg. 
is where, they, where, where a person would cross over that law of love. The law of love means you honor someone because of who they are. Not even because of their position. It's just you honor them because you honor them. And that's, that's the law of love. Any one of these situations, and, and we'll get into when he starts talking about propriety and worship. Um, you know, the, the worship service was out of order. You know, in, in 12, uh, 11, 12, and then 14 and beyond, he, say, he says, this is the way you should worship. This is the way, you know, this, this, is, this is how you should use the gifts. That's why in 13 he says, you can speak in tongues all you want, but if you don't have love, you're just a sounding gong, a clanging cymbal. Because it isn't about using the gifts. Well, look at me, I can use the gifts. That's pride. And, he's, and so any one of these issues that he's dealing with really boils down to love. How do I love? How do I uh, do the things that I do? <clears throat> Whatever um, situation we get into, whether it be in the church or in our own personal lives, in business, you know, I can tell a, a successful businessman by, or a, a successful business by how they treat people. You know, and churches are the same way. You know, I've been to churches and, and been in, I've been in a couple of churches where they don't treat people very good. And I'm thinking, wait a second here, we're a church. We're, you know, I mean, if, if, if it comes down to what's in the, the church's best interest or what's in the people's best interest, well, what's the, what, how should we make that decision? Well, the decision should be love. How do we help people? I mean, you can't always give people everything they want. In a business, you can't do that. You, you know, you'd love, you know, I mean, they think you should. The customer's always right. Well, the customer may be right, but there's also right and wrong. There's standards. There's, there's, yeah, you know, here, put in this faulty, you know, part. You know, it's, it's cheaper. I want you to use this cheaper. Fo- no, I'm sorry. I'm going to use the part that's going to work. That I'm going to, that I, I, I have the integrity that I'm going to stand behind. That's love. You know, telling somebody, no, I'm sorry, just because it's going to save you 10 bucks doesn't mean I'm going to put it in for you. Because I care enough about you. You don't say, I love you. <laughs> but it's, it, it is love because you care enough that you're not going to sh- sell them something that, that you don't, you know, that's going to break down in two weeks. Because then they'd pay double anyway. So, so it's about love. Or it's about love. It's about the law of love. And the other thing, which now I've completely lost, there's two rules, two themes throughout 1 Corinthians, law of love and, I'll think of it. We'll get there. Verse 36. <clears throat> if anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his own mind not to marry the virgin, the man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes. But he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. And so he's talking about there that, it, you know, in the situation the way it is, it's, it's good to get, it's, it's, it's okay not to get, or it, it's okay to get married. It, it, he wasn't saying marriage bad. He wasn't saying marriage wrong. He was saying, saying, 
in the situation that we're in, end times, things are close, um, there was persecution against the church, there was all of these expectations, you know, they, we, we need to be out and pre be preaching the gospel. We don't have time for all these earthly things because Jesus is coming back any moment here. But on the other hand, it's not, you know, so, so it's better not to get married. But on the other hand, hey, if you want to get married, go ahead and do it. He wasn't saying marriage bad. So that's, you know, in, in, in so many words, he was basically leaving the door open, but saying it's better not to marry, better to be focused on these things. Any thoughts? How many agree that marriage bad? No, I'm just kidding. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the guys would say, what day of the month is it? Yes. All right. Business, all kinds, all kinds of life. Exactly. All right. First Corinthians eight. Now concerning, now about food sacrifice to idols. Here's another issue that's coming up, and we'll actually deal with it over over a series of three chapters because uh, chapters uh, nine and ten both also deal with this. How, or I mean, not completely, but parts of it does. Now about food sacrificed idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. And so, bottom line, what is happening is people are going around saying, you got to stop eating the, the food sacrificed idols. Remember, they're in Corinth. Context of this is they're in Corinth. Corinth is full of temples, full of altars, full of idols. And people are always sacrificing things. And back then, I mean, even the Jews, food sacrificed at the altar was consumed. It wasn't all burnt up. There were some sacrifices that were completely burnt, but not, not very many of them. I think only a couple throughout even the whole year were completely consumed um, by the fire. The rest were, uh, you know, certain parts were laid on the altar, but the rest was a grill, you know. It was a grill feast, as they would say in, in Hungary. Uh, you know, it's, it, was, it was a barbecue. I mean, the aroma that wafted up to the heavens was a pleasant aroma unto the Lord. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a barbecue. And they, huh? Amen. Glory to Dead stuff on fire. It's beautiful. Well, that's right. And, and people, but that was the, the, the feasts were a party. They'd come, and they would eat great food, they'd eat, you know, lamb, they'd eat all these, these different things, and it was a feast. Well, that wasn't much different than what was happening in the pagan temples. They were bringing sacrifices, and it would be a party. You know, they would bring their sacrifice, they would cook it on the altar, and then they would take it home and eat it, or eat it there. And so what was happening was, here's these people who are now coming out of that culture, they're getting saved, and they are now, they still have a friend who is not saved, not born again. And they get invited over to their house. Hey, this is great. So they go over to their house, and somebody goes, oh, by the way, we offered this unto so-and-so's uh, altar. And there was a, a, a controversy brood began saying, well, wait a second, if that is offered unto an idol, we as a Christian can't eat that. We shouldn't eat that. Now, I kind of get that. I get the idea of, you know, am I compromising? Because I used to, when I would eat it, it was, it was as a sacrifice unto my God, that God, whatever the God was that we were offering at that moment. 
So now as a Christian, when I know the truth that there is no other gods, there is only one true God, and this is being offered unto some other God, am I crossing the line? Am I doing something that is sinful? And Paul is addressing it here because it had become a controversy. controversy, And it had become a controversy to the level that where people were pointing fingers and saying, you're not a Christian because you ate, somebody, you ate, you ate the idol. You lost your salvation. Or, or you're being a horrible Christian because you're doing X, Y, or Z. And so Paul is, is taking that argument and he's beginning to unravel it. He says, we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. And he'll go on to say, to give all the reasoning. You know, idols aren't anything. It's just a block of wood. You know, it's just a piece of concrete. You know, so if you offer a, 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 a steak onto a piece of concrete, it doesn't change anything. You know, but he's saying, you know, and he'll go on to t- say all of that. But his first argument is, however you treat each other, it should be about love. Because knowledge puffs up. And on, you, know, you see that all the time. You see people that, that get a little bit of Bible knowledge, and they become dangerous. Because they're pointing fingers. I grew up in a church like that. I grew up in a church that, well, this is, this, this is biblical, and this is biblical, and this is doctrine, and you are not it. I remember when our church, um, I grew up in a Baptist church. And I grew up in a strict <laughs> Baptist church. And in, in our strict Baptist church, there was an actual church vote. I remember the night there was the church vote, and, when, and my parents had to go and be a part of this big meeting, and they had to decide, were we going to be a part of that, that place? Were we going to support what is going on in that place? And we all know we're not supposed to go there. And it was because they were, they were voting to decide whether we were going to support the movie that was being shown down at the movie house, which was Billy Graham's No Longer Alone, because it's a movie house. I mean, this was the 70s, and these people were just beside themselves because, okay, yeah, it's Billy Graham, because, you know, Billy Graham does, he's, he's amazing. But then on the other hand, it's at a movie house. You know, we don't, we don't go to theaters. You know, we don't go, we don't go to, you know, yeah, at least, I, yeah, yeah, isn't that the truth? Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I heard years later that, that, uh, uh, that saying, you know, we, we, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't chew, and we don't go with girls that do, you know, and I, I thought, boy, that was our Baptist church, you know, we, you know, that was the, that was the uh, underlying creed, but it was a big deal to them. Because they had a little bit of knowledge. Yeah, there were movies that are shown that are bad. You know, there were, back then, there were PG-13 movies. Maybe not. Maybe that was before PG. I don't even know. But was that PG? Was that before? See? Yeah, R, which were, which were horrible back then. I mean, those were the naked movies. You know, those were the, you know, those were the really bad movies. I mean, you know, I, I watched a movie. I watched, uh, uh. Planet of the Apes, the original Planet of the Apes, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and when I did a little bit of research on it, because I wanted to tell the kids this is the background, this is what's going on, blah blah blah, and I'm looking, and it, when it came out, it was PG, 
oh my gosh, you know, because that was so bad. But they took a little bit of knowledge. Yes, bad things happen there, you know, bad movies, The Exorcist, you know, the, you know those kind of movies are at, are at the movie theater. But so how could anything of God be there? You know, our, our church also, when we turned, I think it was 150 years old, you know, and that was back when I was in junior high, they had a big celebration, and they took out the old uh, records. They took out these old records of the meetings, and they, they one of the things, and they kind of, they laughed about it, which was kind of neat, because some of the people were, were pretty cool, but they brought out one of the minutes of the, of the, of the uh, assembly meetings where they, had, where they discussed and voted on things, and they decided, they had voted not to, not to allow, not, that it wasn't okay for people to go to the circus that was coming to town. Because that was just, whoa. Exactly. There were people in tights. There were people in long underwear. What were they thinking? <laughs> you know. So you know. I mean, you, you can see. We, we laugh about these things now, but that was a big deal to them. I mean, are our standards being eroded here? You know. And I look at my goodness. If, I mean, praise God, some of these people aren't alive now. They wouldn't make it. You know. They wouldn't make what they see on TV. And and, and it is. That is very sad. You know. And then you start to think maybe. Maybe they were right. You know, maybe those erosion of our values back then. But the difference is, is you can't take, I mean, to, to, to say, no, we're not going to, well, they did. They, we did go to the uh, Billy Graham movie. They, they did allow it, you know. Huh? We didn't split? No, no, we were very progressive. We were out there, you know. We were, we were on the edge. And, and so, and people got saved. I, I mean, that, that was amazing to me to see, you know, a public movie theater with people going down front and having and praying with whoever was down front. It was just awesome. It was just it was a beautiful thing. But you can see where where you know we're no different today than they were back then. We, you know, now we could pick all kinds of things. I mean, I don't want to pick anything cuz you know, you start pushing buttons and you know, but there's all kinds of things that we think, okay, that is taboo. We can't do that. And then you find out somebody is using that. I still remember the first, you know, back when rap music was starting getting going, and I hate rap. Okay, I just I don't like it at all. I just don't like the music. I don't like the attitude. I don't like, you know. And I'm thinking there's nothing good that comes out of this. But we were having a discussion, and when I was first in youth ministry, and rap music started uh, getting played, the kids were bringing it, and then there, now there's Christian rap, and they're like, "There's no such thing as Christian rap. You can't have Christian, you know. That's that's an oxymoron." And I and I, we were in one of those meetings discussing that very topic, and I said, I guarantee one day there will be Christian rap worship service. And they were like, oh, no. There will never be a Christian rap worship. There, I, see them, I hear about them all the time, though. I hear about, you know, I've, I've actually went to one, a Hispanic Christian rap worship service. So, you know, what, 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 what we look at and say, taboo, just because it's different. Now, obviously, I you know we will set a, a standard here. There will, and since we, you know, we left off on the subject last time, you know, or a couple times ago, there will never be a Christian strip worship service. Okay, there will be some of those things that we just there's some lines we don't cross, but that's you know okay. Oh Lord, please don't ever let grandchildren, great grandchildren, don't ever Lord, you know. But you, you see what I'm saying. I mean, there are some, some things that are just pretty clear and we don't cross those lines. But there are some things that, you know, and back then they were saying we can't, there was, they were even saying we can't hang out with our friends anymore because they're not Christians. And Paul had to say, 
Well, now, wait a second. And we're not talking about people who are not in the church. Remember when we were talking about, you know, uh, people who, who, you know, that to shun the, uh, the unclean brother or the, the sinful brother. He's saying, I'm not saying this to do that to everybody because, you know, we're in the world. We have to be light in the world. But if there's a believer who's, all, you know, who's blatantly sinning, we've got to deal with them. But that doesn't mean you can't hang out with people who are, who are not saved, who are sinners, because how, how else are we going to be an influence on them? Okay. This is why we're going to keep getting further and further behind. I keep getting, getting down rabbit trails. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. What's the law of love? The, and, I, and it may have been back then with the movie theater with No Longer Alone, uh, the Billy Graham movie in it. The, the, the final answer may have been that one. Wait a second. Are, is the gospel being preached? Yes. Are people going to get saved? Yes. Then love dictates that we, re, that we use whatever means possible that is within moral standards, what is within uh, the... Uh, uh, within uh, common sense. You know, there are some denominations who won't use instruments. Because, you know, the piano is the devil's work thing, you know, workplace. Or, you know, I mean, the saxophone used to be thought of as, oh, you play the saxophone? They only play the saxophone at the bars. Well, you know, that's <laughs> why it's popular. But, I mean, the, the, you know, the church that, uh, that uh, St. Croix Falls is in was a church, and it closed down because people quit going to it, but they would not allow music or musical instruments. And so there are still those churches around today. But, you know, where is that line? The line is love. Are, you know, is it, is it inherently wrong or is it my opinion? Is it, inher- is, it, is it inherently sinful or is it my preference? I don't like rap. I, don't, I prefer not to listen to rap ever. But, you know what, there's a bunch of kids that, it's being, that they're being ministered to by people who use that tool. Who am I to judge that? Who am I to, to hinder that gospel because God loves them too? The law of love is still the best rule to follow. You may be smart and have lots of answers, but without love, we're nothing. Verse 4. So then about eating food sacrificed idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So idols are nothing but a hunk of wood or stone. They are nothing of importance. They do not have, in, have any intrinsic power or ability. But... Here's where, we, here's where we make that turn. Here's, here's where he's, he's, he's saying, he's not talking out both sides of his mouth. He's talking about the law of love. He says, but not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat, this is verse 7, that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. So, 
boiled down, here's how I say it. It is sin because they think it's sin. It's sin because they think it's sin. Let me give you another example. My brother-in-law, great guy, and his wife, wonderful woman, belong to the Brethren Church. Anybody know what a Brethren? I know Brian knows what a Brethren Church is. A Brethren Church, um, you know, I don't know all the history of it. it is a, it's a very old denomination. And they are very strict. Very strict. Women are not allowed to speak in church. Now, there's some definite... No, I'm just kidding. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Women are not allowed to even speak in church. Women, when they come into the church, have to put a head covering over themselves. And they have to sit on one... They sit on in one side of the room. Many times there's a veil between them and where the men meet. And the men then go in. They have no instruments. And they have no pastor. Because everyone... All the men are pastors. All the men are the heads of the church. And they sit on the other side of the veil. And now this is today. They, they go to a church like this. I actually sat, and I, we, there was a wedding last weekend, and we sat. And so I started pushing some buttons. I thought, I, you know, he, he usually picks on me about my theology. So then I thought, all right. So had a little fun. And we actually had a really, really good conversation. Because I asked him, he, he asked me about something, and I said, so what about the head, the head covering thing? Because I know his wife doesn't wear the head covering. She won't, you know, she has chosen not to do it. So I thought, well, here's a great, you know, I'm being very nice to him. Okay. But here's this, they have these rules in place. And to them, it is a sin to break any one of those rules. Okay. Now, when our family has gone, not our family, we've never gone to their service. We just haven't because our services are at the same time their services. But my sister-in-law, who is born again, she's a Baptist, has gone to their services, she puts on a head covering. And I've never asked her why. I know why. Because it's love. That is the love thing to do. She's not there to make waves. She's not there to, to declare, a, you know, make a statement that I don't need to do this because I'm free. She goes in, and she just, because she wants to, she shows them love, and I, and I respect her for it, she puts on the head covering and sits behind the veil. That, that's the same sort of things of, you know, that they're dealing with here, is that um, uh, they are... Um, See, I've got too many thoughts going through my head at the same time because I have another example I want to use. Those are their convictions, and it's sin to do or not to do against one of those convictions. And so if we go in with our freedom and we push our belief onto them in their situation, then that's not love. That in itself is sin. Genuflect. Yeah, yep. So somebody else can can answer. Does anybody have, have an answer for that? Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> yep. Somebody else? Does anybody else have a? 
here's what I, here's the way I look at it too. It isn't. I don't think it's disrespectful not to do all that they do. You know, I'll stand when they stand. I'll sit when they sit. I don't kneel. But here, here's here's where I think it really comes into play: communion time. You know. Right. According to them, we can't receive communion. So I've never even thought about forcing my way up there going, hey, I'm free. I can, I can receive communion. You know, so I respect that in their, in their belief system. That if that's where they're at, I'm not going to sin against them in their, in their house. I'm not, you know, in their, in their house meaning their church. In their, I'm not, I'm not going to push my freedom onto them in that situation. Let me give you another, uh, another real-life, today-type example. Um, we are a full gospel church. We, are a, we believe in, in that, the, that everything, including acts and all the gifts and, and tongues and all of those things, are in operation today. I have a lot of friends who don't believe that, pastor friends. And I pray with them once a month. Like We get together, a number of evangelical pastors in the area here, and we pray, we, we sit down, and we, t- we talk about what's going on in our lives, we pray for each other, it's wonderful. It's an amazing uh, time. I, just, I love that time during the month, each, each month. I pray in the Spirit. Not there. You know, I, I don't pray in the Spirit there. I don't, I don't pray in tongues there. I pray in the Spirit every day. I pray in the Spirit a lot during the day. But I don't ever do it there. Not because I can't. But because it wouldn't be love if I did, because it it would offend them. It would to them it's it's not it's not biblical. You know they think it's against the Bible, and I disagree. I can show you all kinds of scriptures where you know we've you know we'd obviously talk about them quite a bit, but I would never do that in their midst just because I can. Now I know people who have, not in that setting, but I know people who have gone into meetings like that and say, hey, I've got the freedom. I've got the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show them that the Holy Spirit still operates in this way. And my answer is, you're just a a clanging gong, a a slamming single. single. (laughs) You're going to, that would be uh, 45 minutes into the the message, you're going to have to cut that one out. You're not a slamming single. That is not what we are. (laughs) Wow. A clashing symbol. That's what I wanted to say. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory. That's what I meant. Yes. Um, but that's the whole deal, isn't it? You know, just because you have freedom to do or not do something doesn't mean that you have to or that you even should. You know, there, I can go through where there's all kinds of things where I may believe one thing and you may believe something else and it would be wrong for me to, to either do that in your presence or to, to not do it. If you don't, I mean, we need to walk in love. And we need to walk in love with each other. What's really, really cool, you know, and, and, and the, um, the other pastors that are in this meeting, some of them come from denominations. Actually, most of them come from denominations where it's very wrong. To speak in the, to pray in tongues, or to pray in the spirit, they feel it's actually an abomination. What's really really cool is they love me anyway, because they realize this is not something that divides us. We we agree on Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and so they the way they treat me is with absolute respect. You know, 
they ask me to pray for them, fully knowing that I, I, we differ on this theological view. That's, to me, that is, that just, it's, it's one of the most beautiful things. That's why I love going there, because it's an expression of Christ, love, even though we don't see eye to eye on everything that we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ, him crucified, the blood of Christ, you know, him alone. I mean, those are the biggies. That's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that, you know, there is no divine. We'll get to heaven and some of us will go, oh, what was I thinking? And others will be going, yeah, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, but, you know, we're going to differ on a lot of the, of the peripheral things. But with, you know, the most important things we agree upon, we can fellowship. And that's, that's what's important. You know, and, and I literally, I could sit here and I could give you all kinds of things. Alcohol. Is, is drinking alcohol a sin? It's not. It's not a sin. Drinking to excess is a sin. Absolutely. Alcoholism, drinking too much, getting drunk, yes, it is a sin. But to have a glass of wine with supper? Absolutely not. There is zero wrong with it. It is not a sin. Unless you think it's a sin. If you feel, if you have a personal conviction that alcohol, any kind of alcohol consumption is wrong, then it would be wrong for me and my freedom to come over to your house and bring a bottle of wine and expect to drink it. it just, or even if you were to come to my house and I were to drink in front of you. With my, with the, I, I, I have no problem with it. I've never had a problem with alcoholism. You know, I've never, even when I was partying, I didn't want to drink alcohol. I just didn't get into it. So it is, no, it is not in any way, shape, or form a sin for me. But it would be, I would be sinning if you had a conviction that it was wrong and I did it in front of you. Or if you, if, if you were a person who did have trouble with, problem with alcoholism and I, and I did it in front of you going, you know, I'm just going to do what I want to do because I'm free. That is sin. So, and he's going to talk about that. That's where we get to at the end of uh, chapters 9 and 10. Okay? So it's about the law of love. How do we act in love? So it's a sin because they think it's a sin. And because they think it's a sin, they think it's a sin if we do it too. Now we know it is not a sin, but if we cause them to sin by our freedom, then that is sin. Okay? Because it violates the law of love. Verse 9. Be- that's exactly what it says about drinking. Yeah. Yep. And it is. And, and that's why we, you know, we be very careful about whatever it is you know for some people uh well when we go overseas you know we used to have to we used to ask you know now it's there's there really isn't these stigmas but it used to be women couldn't wear shorts you know now it's you know it's become more modern it's become but back then some places where you couldn't wear women couldn't wear makeup you know oh my gosh what were they thinking but In the church. Oh, yeah, in the church. So our, we made a rule of our mission team. Ladies, when we, go, when we go into their churches, no makeup. We don't wear makeup. You know, well, I don't wear makeup, but nobody wears makeup. <laughs> if I don't have to wear it, nobody gets to wear it. But you know what I'm saying? You know, we'd be sensitive to those things. Um, you know, some, and uh, can't remember if it was Eastern Europe, but it was jewel- one, one place it was jewelry, you know, wearing earrings and, you know, and different things. And on and so, short, short sl- sleeveless outfits and jeans, not 
Exactly. Yeah, Jamaica, I know, when we first went to Jamaica years ago, too, it was very, very strict. And so you, you, we're, 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 we don't go there and flaunt our freedom just because, you know, so what, putting some makeup on? You know, who cares? But we're sensitive to those things. We don't, and, and because we have that freedom, we don't push it because it would not be love. So we, we walk within those those um, confines. Be careful, however, verse 9, that the ex- exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating at an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. That is love. To make that, to make that decision that, that if it means that much to a person, then I won't ever do it again. I mean, even though you have every right to do it. That's the, you know, that's the hard part for us Americans. As an American, I have the right to do whatever I want, right? I mean, that's the way we look at it. And don't, don't tread on me. Don't, don't be putting a, 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 a fence around me because I'm free and I can do whatever I want. And we, we've lost, and I, and I think within the church we're not that bad. I really don't. I mean, at least the churches I hang out in, people I know, people walk in love. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But as an American, we can get that American attitude that I can do whatever I want because I want to do it. Well, what is that? That's selfishness. I mean, in its purest form, I want, I get, I deserve. That's selfishness. Pride. Exactly. You know, I, my knowledge that I'm free is, and, and acting upon that, even though it's a detriment to you, is pride. And we don't do that. But it, we need to look at all the, the, how we live our life. Because it's not only just the things that we know we're free in. There's some rules that we, that we follow that we, I actually believe it's a good rule. You know? But if someone doesn't have that rule, I, I can't force that rule upon them. You know, one of the things, and I, we, we laugh about it because it has changed over the years, but you know, back when uh, Roger and Myrna and, and uh, Pastor Karen first went into Belarus, um, they were at, you know, a bunch of people got saved. They were out at a picnic. There was a lake. They said, hey, we should, we should do a baptism. And people went, great, started taking their clothes off right, right there. And this was in Eastern Europe, Belarus. They just started taking their clothes off. And, and Roger Mernon and Pastor Carter went, oh, my goodness, because here these people are just whipping their clothes off. Because it was, you know, I'm going to go swimming, down to the underwear, let's go, which is not necessarily acceptable in our culture. So here's, here's, a, here's a, a boundary that we have. Now, they have because they've realized, okay, it, it's probably, you know, and they were also coming out of a culture where it didn't matter. I mean, if you've ever been to Eastern Europe, those swimsuits, they were, oh, my goodness, better they have underwear on. But to them, it was no big deal. They had freedom. What they saw as freedom. Well, it would have been wrong for, for our side to say, you have to do it this way from now on. But it would also be wrong for them to go, we have freedom, we don't have to do it this way. 
And, and, and with the law of love means you give grace on both sides. They've grown. We've grown. They wear clothes. Praise God. Yeah. They change behind the sheets, yes. So, I mean, you know, things grow. But, but we, you know, how would that have looked? I mean, they handled it correctly. They didn't freak out. I mean, they, they, were, they were freaking out inside, but they didn't show it outside because this, these new believers are so excited about, I'm going to get baptized. And they weren't even thinking anything unclean. But our, our rules and regulations don't allow for people to do that. What if they had said, whoa, we are not baptizing anybody until we have swimsuits or white gowns? Or, well, it would have lost the, the, the power of those people going so excited about, I want to get baptized. And they didn't do anything wrong in their own eyes. So, so it goes both ways. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a fluid, it's a, it's a relationship. All right, this doesn't mean you can't do whatever you have, what you have freedom to do, just not in front of them. If you have freedom in an area, you know, uh, if you have freedom in an area, that doesn't mean you can't do it. If you do it in your own home or you do it where, you know, where somebody's not going to, and it's not that you're sneaking around, it's just that you're being wise, you know. I mean, I'll just tell you, I, have, I don't have a problem having a glass of wine with a meal, but I'm not going to do it in front of somebody who has a conviction. I'm just not. Because that would be sin. It would be sin for them, and it would be sin for me. Because, you know, I, just because I under, you know, have a, an understanding with, with what the Bible says and what my relationship with God is, does not give me the right to offend somebody else, ever. And if somebody came to me and says, I am deeply offended, I'm deeply hurt, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, my relationship with God is, is hurt because of this, then I'll never do it again. I just won't. But... We be wise. It's all about wisdom. It's all about love. And if it ever becomes an unavoidable issue, love never fails. Amen? Any thoughts? Any questions? I'm going to hand out week fives here. Take one, pass it around. Some on this side. Some on that side. Because it's so interesting, Jolene. <laughs> Chapter 9, Paul continues on with the same theme. Verse 1, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. So, he's bringing up another issue. There's another thing that they've, you know, remember when we, way back when we started, um, he had received a letter. And in this letter, there were a number of grievances that were outlined. One of them was he had heard through what was their names one of, one of the one of the families in the church had written him or talk, talked to him and said that you know, people were arguing about who was the real leader of the of the group. That's part of this question here too. They talked about the the brother who had uh, was married was was sleeping with his mother his stepmother. 
dealing with the other issues about idols. So all these issues are coming up. Here is another issue that was apparently in that letter. And it was the issue of why should we be sending money to Paul? Why, sh- why should we be receiving an offering for Paul? Who is Paul? And he's, he's stating his claim here of who he is. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle... Apostle, jeez. It's one of them nights. Sorry, when you start talking so much, sometimes words come out you don't mean. An apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a a believing wife along with us? As do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas. Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? So this is a question about receiving offerings for the gospel, especially for Paul, because the others were doing it. The others were... Uh, already receiving offerings from the different churches that they, were, that they had started or ministered in. Uh, they were already being supported by them, whether they were there, actually there present, or on, onto another city or whatever else. So he's only saying that. He says, don't I have the same right? But the, the argument was he wasn't one of the original 12. And he says, well, but wait a second. I am an apostle not just because I was one of the original 12, but because... Here's my fruit. You are my fruit. You are the ones, because you exist, proves that I'm an apostle. Proves that I have a call in my life. And if I have a call in my life just like the other apostles, shouldn't I have the same benefits? I mean, what a horrible place for Paul to have to be in. To have to to be discussing his own salary. It's the hardest thing for a pastor to deal with, you know. Should I get a raise? Should Pastor Greg get a raise? Should, you know, should I be paid what, what I get paid? You know, that, that is the hardest thing to try to justify that. I don't. I don't want to do that. I don't have to, I shouldn't have to justify pay. Um, and I, but I know the, the, the world system creeps in, doesn't it? You know, uh, so many times within the church, well, okay, so... You know, and actually, the way my salary is set, it's set by a board outside of myself. I don't set my own salary. I have a group that is not related to the church. It's three pastors. Pastor uh, Bill, he was just here today. Bill, nope. East Emmanuel. Oh, come on. God, he's a close friend. He, I, he prays for me every day. I mean, I, Bill Pratt, gracious sakes. Bill Pratt. God, I mean, sometimes, my, you know, I looked at one of, yeah, and I look up one of my kids one day, I'm going, you, whatever your, I only have two of them, you know, but it's just like, come on. Uh, Bill Pratt, uh, uh, sure, now I'm really messed up. Uh, Rod Wicklin from uh, Ellsworth and uh, um, Roger Such from up by you guys, the church up by you guys. Yep, triumphant faith. So there are three pastors. They, they, they sit down. There's an actual book. There's a, a yearly book that comes out and says, this is the national average for a church of this kind in this setting, whether it's a rural setting, a city setting, a, a whatever. This is, the, you know, the annual income of the church is X. And there's just this, this basically, uh, 
you know, you, you take all of these factors and this is the window of what's, you know, how many years of experience, how many years you've, you've uh, you know, how much uh, educational experience you have. You take all of those factors and here is an acceptable window. That's, the, that's what the, the government says that a nonprofit, that's how, how salaries are set for nonprofits. It didn't used to be that way. It was only after the, uh, the Red Cross incident where they were taking, was it million-dollar salaries for the leader, for the, you know, receiving donations, and then they set their own salaries. They set million-dollar-plus salaries, and the government said, whoa, that's going to stop. But that's how my salary is set. I like that. I like that I don't have to go negotiate. I don't have to explain. And it's just, here's the window. But then, here's, here's what they say. Here's the window, and then we decide, well, here's what can be afforded. I still don't make what they say I can make or what, what my qualifications, because here's what we can afford. Here's what the church actually has money to do and to do everything else that we want to do. But Paul didn't have that, obviously. Paul didn't have a, a, a salary setting board. He didn't have somebody who was fighting on his behalf saying, here's what you should get paid. He's, he's basically completely at the whim of what people think. And people back there in Corinth now are arguing, why are we paying Paul? He's not even here. What is he doing for us? Why, why should we? And he's saying, well, wait a second. The Bible says that I should be receiving income from, from the gospel. Because I'm, I'm working in the gospel, that my, that my income should come from the gospel. And he, he makes a number of quotes here as he goes along. So this is the question about receiving offerings for the gospel. And he's talking about He's going to talk about eating the fruit of the harvest. And basically it boils down to common sense. Verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on, hum- on human authority? Does the law say the same thing? For, the, for it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. It is about, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this is what is written for us. Because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, it is, too, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. So he gives all these examples of, you know, if, if, you, if you thresh the wheat, shouldn't you read of the harvest? If, you, if you're a, a shepherd tending the flock, shouldn't you drink the milk? He says, you know, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. He says, is, is God talking about the ox? No, he's talking about us. He's talking about people who work in the gospel. You know, the question that always comes to me is, did he just call me an ox? Yeah, you have to wonder about that. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wasn't making a case that they should pay him. He was saying that they didn't, that they didn't, because at the end here he says, never mind. I'm not going to receive anything from you. Now, he didn't. He would not receive anything from the Corinthians because of this argument. Why would he not receive income? Uh, you know, why would he not force the issue about this from them? One word. Exactly. It was love. 
you know, here, here he's preaching to them about love, and he's going to give them an, a, a specific example of how he's walking in love. Hey, just so you guys know, I'm having to do this too. I'm not going to receive anything from you, not because I don't deserve it, but because I'm not going to push the issue where it pushes you away from Christ. I'm not going to hinder the gospel just because you don't have revelation in this area, because you're not mature enough, because, because he, says, he goes, clearly, biblically, I have every right to receive an offering from you. But if, you're, if, you, if, if, you're, if it's going to cause you to sin in your heart with anger towards me, never mind. I'm not going to push it. Okay? <laughs> Interesting faces. What are people thinking right now? What's the, what are you guys thinking? It's a good thing he was a tent maker, yes. And, and, and other people, other people uh, were supporting him. You know, the Thessalonians were, were supporting him. Uh, uh, some other folks were. So he had money coming in. He had support. But he, yeah, he had to work outside and some things never change oh absolutely or some churches won't support him i have a i have a friend who who lives outside of this state so nobody here knows them and you know i can talk about this freely their church was a you know pretty good church and they made promises when you know that when he got, when he got there, the church had gone through a church split, and, you, and after he was there for a while, realized, I know why they went through a church split, because <laughs> there are some people here who are just not walking in love. And they said, okay, tell you what, you know, if you come in, all we can pay you is X amount of dollars. And I think this was only about seven, eight years ago. I think it was twenty five thousand dollars. Now his wife worked, you know, and, and made up the rest, but twenty five thousand bucks. I mean, we all know that isn't going to make it even in a small town. But they said, tell you what, well, we, we, this is what we can pay you. We're really sorry, but when, you, when the church grows, as the church grows, we'll pay you more. Well, in that five years that he was there, the church doubled. They paid him not a penny more. They refused to. Okay, n- things haven't changed. Pe- people, you know, Pastor Dan, I've heard, you know, heard him use that phrase, you know, uh, the the Lord will keep you humble. We will keep you. We'll keep the pastor poor. God will keep him humble. You know that way the pastor doesn't get outside of himself. Well, you know, like Paul says, I need to live. And he doesn't have a wife, doesn't have a family. But what about some of these guys who have wives and families? You know, they deserve to be taken care of because they're working. They're working hard every day. All right. Verse thirteen. Don't you know that those who serve at the temple get food, get their food from the temple, and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered at the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rites, and I am not writing this in hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast." For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If, if not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committing, committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. 
I'm going I'm to take this one step further just to give you a, an understanding, you know, help, help us to, to see this in a, in a fuller light. In all of the trips that we've ever made, that I've ever made overseas, I have never once received an offering for us, for me. Now, the truth is, they would be blessed if they did. They would. But I'm not going to bring it up. One day that will happen. But that, I've, we've never gone. We have never gone as a church. We've never gone as a ministry. I've never gone as an individual and ever received an offering for ourselves. They would be blessed if they did. Not because I need the money. Because our needs are met according to his riches and glory, whether they give us an offering or not. But the offering is for them to operate in their faith, for them to give and allow God to use their seed to multiply more on their behalf. Let me, Brian and, Brian and Pastor Greg were in a town called Bojaslo years ago, 2004. You've been to Bojaslo. Bojaslo is a Romanian town uh, where the gypsies are, where, where we minister. And, and uh, there was a church there, very poor church. And we had gotten there, we were ministering, and... <laughs> They, they I came for me to t find time for me to get up, and I, I was praying about what I should preach on. And the Holy Spirit says, "When you get up, receive an offering for for Dan and Marta." Now, this was really, really, really awkward, because Marta was our translator, and I and I basically she was going to receive an offering for herself, translating for me. But what I told them was, "Here's the deal." They had never received an offering from them. They had been laboring among them for years, and they had never received an offering for them. And I said, this is a part of faith. This is a part of, of the church, is that these guys have been laboring among you. It's right for them to receive an offering. So we're going to receive an offering tonight for their ministry, for them. And they did. Now, flash forward a number of years, from what I understand, at the last time I heard, this church was one of the most, one of the best off churches because they understood, they, they caught that vision, they caught the understanding and continued to raise support for Dan and Marta and continued to give. Um, I have not been back to that church since and now, you know, for different reasons. But now from what I heard, the last I had heard about that church, it was the nicest building it was the people had had been prospering because they got a hold of don't don't just get to get get to be used by God and to give and and that's what he's trying to teach them here is is that not that I'm looking for something for myself but that you know and he's going to say it's for your account it's for you to have to put your faith towards giving into the gospel and he says and I'm I'm the right person to give it to but now I'm not going to accept it Right. That was a very stray, very interesting church. Yeah, that was all kinds of, all kinds of interest. You know, that was the one where the two huge guys came in. Two, two. I mean, I'm big. These guys were twice my. I mean, they were huge. They came in. They sat down in the back. I'm preaching. They come in and walk in. I'm going, oh my gosh, they're huge. Well, come to find out, they had glandular problems, some some kind of a gland thing going on, and they were they were brothers or something because they both had it, you know, and they're just gargantuan. 
And Marta, this was the first week I'd ever met Marta. I mean, known her, you know, got to know her personally. And it was great because we got done preaching and she just, she just made a beeline right back to them. I'm thinking, let's get out this door. You know, let's go because I, I don't know. She went right to them and said, hi, I'm Marta. I want, you know, nice, you know, who are you? I've never seen you here before. And they said, oh, yeah, we don't go to church here. Uh, we just came here to, to see the white people who minister in Sikhid or have a church in Sikhid. And she goes, because as gypsies, they look at it, they call us white people. They're not really dark, but they are kind of dark, I suppose. Darker than we are. But they call, they call us white people. They had heard that there was a white people, white couple, who were going into Sikhid. Sikhid is the town where we're going to this summer, and it is dangerous. Except if you know Dan and Marta and you know the people of the church, it's safe. It's because they, people love us. But outside of that, it's dangerous. And, the, and they said, we just wanted to come and meet the white people that, go, that minister in Sikhid because we're gypsies. We don't go to Sikhid. They kill people there. So that was an interesting night. There was a bunch of other stuff that happened that night. And hallelujah. Cakes and birthdays. And hallelujah. It, it was a gypsy town. It sure was. All right. What verse was I left at here? 19. Paul's use of his freedom. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I have become a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I have become like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. As to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I have become like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I become weak to, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all means, all possible means, I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So he's saying he relates to who he's ministering to. You, 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 you live in such a way that, it, that it, does, it crosses over those cultural barriers, those uh, theological barriers, those... those um, uh, cult, you know, cultural, I mean, but it, you know, different town, different. You know, when when I go to Europe, I've learned not to dress like this when I minister. I wear dark clothes. Why? Because they wear dark clothes. You know, you 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 greet them. I, I've learned how to count in 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 European. You don't count one, two, three, four. You count one, two, three, four. I mean, there's just little things. You eat with your left hand. You, 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 you try to relate to them as much as possible. But he's also saying, you know, if he's, to, meet, to reach the Jews, he doesn't go in and eat pork. Even though he knows, I can eat pork. So that's no problem. But going into a Gentile's house, you don't say, I'm sorry, I will not eat the pork. You eat whatever's put before you. You know, when, you, when we went to Yojibachi's house, you ate what Yojibachi puts in front of you. Ooh. Gizzards and male chicken parts. That was the soup. You well? You know? Because that was his best. That's what he, you know, that was his, you know, to him, that was a delicacy what he made for us. And so you smile and you eat whatever gets put before you. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, yes, Ladine. 
Yaka, Yaz Yakohama. Oh, yeah, the big, the yeah. big pot. Okay, but that was not that soup. This was a different trip. This was a different. That was just chunks of meat. Yeah, <laughs> chunks is chunks, eh? You know? <laughs> but yeah, you 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 work within who they are, and you and you. Oh, it's fantastic! It was wonderful. Woof, woof, woof. So so in in different countries, different animals make different sounds. You know how in America dogs go, you know, woof, woof, bark, bark. You know, in 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 Europe. At least in Eastern Europe, that's not the case. We were sitting down for a meal, and one of the people on our mission trip said, in Hungary, and, and somebody says, what kind of meat is this, Pastor John? I said, I don't know. So I, I get the attention of one of the people serving, and they go, I said, what, what kind of meat is this? And they went, oh, because um, they understood that part, but I was like, oh, they couldn't remember the word for the kind of meat it was. They went, oh, woof, woof. And the person just turns green. <laughs> well, woof, woof is the sound that a pig makes in, in Hungary. So, you know, the, the sound that a, a, a duck makes. What's the sound that a duck makes? Well, here. Right, no, not, not in Hungary. In, in Hungary, it's hop, hop. Yeah, yep, hop, hop. You know, so, yeah, so it was great, though. But I said, yeah, it's woof, woof. <laughs> Eat it. It's put before you. <laughs> Let's go here. That same person, we were in southern Switzerland one time, and they sitting next to me at the meal again and says, Pastor John, what is this? She should know not that it was, uh, uh, no, 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 uh, Martha, uh, Marta, uh, no, no, Margaret, Margaret, et cetera. No, Margaret. Margaret looks and she goes, Pastor John, what, what is that? And I went, I don't know. So I asked the, the pastor from Switzerland, I said, Excuse me, I said, what, what is this right here? And he goes, oh, um, mm, mice. <laughs> and she didn't hear, me, hear him say it, so she, she goes, what did he say it was? I said, mice. She goes, she did not. <laughs> I said, he did too. She goes, it is not mice. And I said, ask him. You ask him. So she goes, what kind of, what is this? He goes, mice. <laughs> well, maize, maize, corn. It was, you know, ground up corn. It's mice. <laughs> mice. Mice, yeah. Mice, corn, whatever. <laughs> all right. So you become thing, all things to all people. You know, and, and literally, hey, as a... Did not print the way I thought it was going to print. Um, you don't reach inner city subculture the same way you do with uh, suburb country culture. It's just not the same deal. You know, the way, the way we minister here at, at River Valley Christian Church, Lake Elmo, is going to be different than the way they minister in River Valley Christian Church, St. Croix Falls. You know, they like country music up there. I don't like country. Anybody here like country music? I mean, you can admit it. You can, well, that's what I'm saying. You know, but they just love that. I don't, I just don't like country music. You know, you, you know. But Every place is going to be different. River Falls, Abundant Life Church in River Falls, when I worked there, it was a different culture. I mean, we're only 25 miles apart. It was a different culture. And you, it's, it's Wisconsin. Hey, watch. <laughs> but it is. It, 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 and, and, and that's okay. And so you... Yeah, yeah. It is different. And, and, and the way...
way you relate to them is going to be different. Uh, my father and mother-in-law moved down to Florida. They bought a house down in Florida. Deb went to the church there and did not like it at all because it was a huge church, uh, Presbyterian church, all made up of doctors, lawyers, you know, retired doctors, lawyers, so on and so forth. And everybody was dressed to the nines. I mean, they were suits and sharp ties and shiny shoes and big cars. And she was like, I want to go home. I want to be, you know, because it's comfortable. She, you know, it's, it, this is the culture here. So, it, but, it, but I couldn't go down there and preach like this. I wouldn't be accepted. So if I were to go there and want to be accepted, then I fit into their culture. I don't make them accept me purely who I am. I have to, I have to fit into their culture. So he's saying, I'm, I'm, I be all things to all people, no matter how we do that. All right, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all runners run? He switches gears just a tad here. But one gets the prize. <clears throat> run in such a way as to get the prize. This is verse 24. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preached, have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's talking about, obviously, the, the gospel being preached and to, and to be focused. That what we're doing here means something. The gospel means something. The gospel is one, is one of the very few things that lasts for eternity. The gospel, family, life. That's about it. Those are the three things that last for eternity. And he's saying here, because this thing lasts for eternity, because this matters, we should not do it aimlessly. So what he's saying is, even you know, in context of everything else he's said so far, is that these things matter. And we don't just do this aimlessly. We don't just run through this life going, well, I'm just going to do it this way because I feel like doing it this way. I myself, I deal with this. That verse haunts me at times. Because I can get so wrapped up in what I'm doing, it becomes commonplace. And then I, I realize at times I'll, I'll catch myself being aimless. And, I, and that verse then comes back, and the Lord deals with me on that, <clears throat> that we need to be focused on what we're doing, and that these things matter. How we relate to people, how we walk in love, how we treat others, how the gospel is preached, how the gospel is portrayed, is not, and, I, and I've been trying not to use the phrase willy-nilly, but that's kind of the only way that, that's just the one that fits. It isn't just, well, I'm just going to preach the gospel this week and see what happens. No, we have to think this through. We have to be focused. You know, in our neighborhoods, being salt and light, that's why we're there. We're not there because it was the right, right, price, right priced house. Or it was, you know, there is a purpose and a reason why you live next to who you live next to. And that we can't look at this as, oh, isn't this a beautiful neighborhood? I'm just really blessed that God blessed me to put me in this neighborhood or in this job or in this whatever. We have been placed in where we're placed as salt and light on purpose. And he's saying we need to be focused. Why are you here? 
Why are you called to be who you're called to be? Why do you have the relationships that you have? And he says, I make my body submit. Because I know I can lose it. I can lose focus and start living for myself and doing some other things and, you know, and get off on this tangent or that tangent. And, and, it's, and it's because it's lack of discipline. The truth is, I'm here for the gospel. I exist from this point. Since, I, was, since I, I, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. I am here for a purpose. And to not live out that purpose is sin. And so he says, when we do this, we have to look at it as, I beat myself. I, 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 I discipline myself to live in such a way. But we have to keep this in the context. He's saying, I love because I'm here for a purpose. I give because I give because I'm here for a purpose. I live my life, every moment of my life, in love, in reaching others, in in uh, uh, relating to other people. Allowing, I, I do this with a focus and a purpose, not just because, well, I'm here and I should just love everybody. No, we're doing it because of the gospel, for the gospel's sake. Everything we do should be to run all the way to the end of the race and win it. We are not doing this because we're bored and have nothing better to do. It's not a hobby. Christianity is not a hobby. This life we live is serious business, and the loser takes nothing. If we lose, we lose big. We lose eternity. The verse says, I lose if I gain the whole world and lose my soul. I lose. This isn't. This is not that. Ver, those verses is here. Uh, Luke chapter nine twenty four and through twenty six. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. This next chapter we're going to get into, he starts getting real serious about it. He's, he's driving the point home that, hey, this is serious business, folks, because you know, it's, it, this isn't the first time that this has happened. You know, the whole uh, life of, of Israel, the whole story of Israel from Abraham uh, right through to the kings was all written, and all of it, though, I mean, all of it, but he's going to specifically talk about the, uh, the folks in the desert. He's saying they didn't take it seriously. They were, they were constantly saying, How, what, what's in this for me? How am I going to benefit? You know, I want to go back to Egypt because they have onions. And, they, and he says, wait a second. No, because of, their, of their, the, how they live their life, they lost their lives. And he's saying, that was written for us. You know, how we treat other people, how we relate to those that we, that we minister to on a daily basis, whether it be in our workplace or whether it be in our neighborhood, whether it be in our own family. How we minister to them, is, it, it matters. It counts. And walking in love counts. And if we don't do it, there is an eternal price to pay. And it can be eternal for somebody. If we don't walk in love with somebody because we don't like them, and they, they reject Christ because of what they see in us, that is a price. I mean, that's a heavy-duty price for our own pride. Choosing my own way because I just, don't, I just don't want to deal with somebody else. I just don't want to put up with their stuff anymore. Because, you know, I've been, I'm not going to be a doormat. 
You know, and that's what he's saying here. He says, come on, guys, just love each other because this, this stuff matters. And if we don't live right, this is what's going to happen. So we move into chapter 10. <clears throat> and we'll just read the first part here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close for tonight. Verse 1, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness." Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. <clears throat> Excuse me. The people sat down and e- to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 25,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has overtaken you accept that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. For when you are tempted, you will be provided a way out so that you can endure. He's saying this stuff matters. He says, we, you know, this was 2,000 years ago, and he's saying this is the culmination of the ages. This is why all the other stuff happened. We are at the epicenter of the purpose and the the whole plan and purpose of God is because of right now. And if we take it lightly and we don't live our lives the way we should, we're going to be held accountable. All of us will. Because your call is different than my call. Where you live is different than where I live. Where you work is different than where I work. And you are responsible for them. They are your congregation. They are your harvest field. They are your mission field. And you're responsible for that. And he's, he's, he's trying to tell them, hey, folks, get away from these petty arguments. Stop arguing about these stupid things. Walk in love with each other because we're, we need to be focused here. We don't need to be worrying about food and drink and, and what people are wearing and not worrying about, about sexual sin and, and, and wrestling with all these. What we need to be thinking about is how do we preach the gospel? Because if we don't preach the gospel, these people will die in their sin. And that is the focus. And we need to be like, a, like a, an athlete who says, that's it. I want the prize. I will do whatever it takes. And if you've ever been in sports and you wanted to be the best, you will do whatever it takes. You will, you will sacrifice. You will get up early and you'll work out and you'll eat the right foods and you'll exercise the way you're supposed to exercise. You'll mentally t- toughen yourself. Well, how much more important is the gospel because it's the, one of the only things that lasts into eternity? Amen? We'll end with a really heavy tonight. How does that sound? Hallelujah. Any thoughts before we... The, sounds like the natives are getting restless over there. Any thoughts? Any ideas? Hallelujah. Have a great week.